Thank you for tuning in to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. You're about to hear a live sermon, which was recorded at our 11 a.m. contemporary service. We are thrilled to share it with you. Thank you for listening. Well, today we um, is the last Sunday to sign up for our community groups. Uh, this is an initiative, uh, hopefully, to get people to meet folks they normally wouldn't meet here at RPC. They'll be going through Lent, which are the 40 days between Ash Wednesday and Easter, if you accept uh, Sundays out of those. Then we're going to be coming together in small groups to, to look at the same passages that the preachers will be preaching on Sunday from Matthew. So you, if you're in a, in a community group, you can come and correct the preacher. It's going to be great. So you're going to do that, and then um, it's a way that we can uh, get to know each other, build our faith family, and grow as a community, and grow spiritually. So I invite you um, to join in that, and you can sign up outside uh, these uh, doors over here. There's a table there to sign up. All right, we continue in our sermon series, The Last Lecture. We're looking at uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the largest collection of Jesus' moral and ethical teachings where Jesus lays out what, what, what is life supposed to look like. If you're going to follow Jesus, what, is that, what does that entail? Right. And this is what he's talking about. Mary did a great job talking about the golden rule last week, and today we move forward, where we talk about the difficulty, the challenge of the Christian life. Jesus is upfront with us. The life of following him is difficult. So let us look now at Matthew 7, Verses 13 through 20. Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will know them by their fruits. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this great passage from Holy Scripture and ask that in the next few moments you might be our teacher, that you might teach us as only you can, that you might speak to our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that we might receive the lesson, hear the message that we're supposed to take away, or that we might be able to follow you on the narrow path, on the path that leads to life. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Leo Tolstoy's Anna Karenina begins with one of the most famous opening lines in all of literature. It goes like this. Happy families are all alike. Unhappy families are unhappy in their own way. Happy families are all alike. Unhappy families are unhappy in their own way. What is Tolstoy getting at here? He's making a larger point than just speaking about families. He's saying there is a multitude of ways that you can be unhappy. 
but it's very hard to be happy. There are many ways that you can go in the wrong direction. And there are very few ways you can go to get where you really want to. Happy families are all alike. Unhappy families are unhappy in their own way. Let me explain this to you. Over the past six months, I've had the opportunity, um, well, to assemble a lot of things. And, you know, these packages come to your house, and there's just, like, lots of stuff in them. And it's just like a complete mystery when you open it up, you know. And so we've gotten crib, a bassinet, a dresser, a trundle bed, and an electric swing. And these things arrive, and they've got like 25,000 parts in them. And you open it up, and you look in there, and you find a little booklet. And there are directions, or at least they say that there are directions. And they come in like 25 different languages. And the English version doesn't look to be really written by an English speaker. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the drawings don't really resemble the pieces that you have set before you. And so, like, I'm trying to build this electric swing. And I must tell you, I am not a handyman. If you need something put together, something fixed, don't call me. If you need it broken, I'm your man. <laughs> and so I'm trying to put this thing together. And I've got, I got this, I'm just, uh, you got this screw and I'm trying to screw it in and it won't go in. And all of a sudden I go, oh, I've got the long screw. I need the short screw. You know, so then you begin to search for the, the short screw, but you've lost the short screw, you know, and you finally find it in a corner and you screw it in and it's like, step one. <laughs> and you keep going, right? And, uh, the, and I was building this thing and I'm trying to shove this piece into the seat and I'm just like, and I'm thinking, it's taking like a half hour. And I think it, the harder I shove it, the more likely it will go in. And then Courtney, you know, is like, maybe you should try it the other way. I'm like, that's a good idea. You know, and I, it slides right in. I'm like, don't gloat. <laughs> but, you know, it, it says assembly should take 30 minutes. And it's like, well, there went two hours of my life, right? There's a lot of ways to do things the wrong way. It's very challenging. It's difficult. It's hard to do them the right way. And Jesus owns up to this fact right at the front. Right off the bat, he says, the life of following me, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, is going to be difficult. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. As we've been reading and studying the Sermon on the Mount, if you've left on a Sunday after um, hearing the sermon and you've gone home and said, man, this Christian life is a lot harder than I thought it was, you've got the message. Jesus says, this is a challenging life you've chosen. This is a difficult path. It's hard. Not many people find it. Come and follow me. One of the most profound thinkers of the last hundred years on this question was the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer was brilliant. He 
was born to a prominent family in Germany. He ended up dying, was executed at the age of 38 for participating in a, a plot to assassinate Hitler. He was brilliant. In 1937, he published a book called The Cost of Discipleship. The Cost of Discipleship. It's on the Sermon on the Mount. It's his commentary on it. And he says that the life of a disciple of following Jesus will cost you something. It's a challenge. It'll be difficult. The road is hard. The cost of discipleship. At one point, he says, he says, the Christian disciple should never pin his hopes on large numbers. The Christian disciple should never pin his hopes on large numbers. Why does he say this? Well, in his early 20s, he had published two dissertations. I mean, the man was just absolutely brilliant. Two dissertations. And he graduates fresh from university, and he says, I want to be a campus pastor. I want to pastor college students. So he goes to a German university. <coughs> Excuse me. And he goes, and he says, you know what I need to do? I want to teach Bible studies. Look at all that I've learned. Look at all these great books I've read. I want to teach college students the Bible. So he reserves a room, puts up flyers all over campus. And there the day comes and he's, he's waiting in the classroom and he's ready to teach the Bible. There's only one problem. Nobody shows up. For Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I mean, if no one shows up to your community group, you are in good company. And so what Bonhoeffer does, I mean, he's not a dummy. He knows he's working with college students. So he says, okay. He talks to some students. He says, we'll ho host the Bible study in a pub. And they say, eh. And he says, and I'll pay for the beer. They say, we're there. <laughs> Bonhoeffer at one point says, the path of discipleship is narrow and it is fatally easy to miss one's way and stray from the path, even after years of discipleship. It's difficult. Even if you've been a disciple for many years, it's easy to stray off the path. Now, many of you are not into German theologians. Okay, fair enough. How about North Carolina rappers? Okay. This past, this past uh, weekend was the NBA All-Star Game. It was in Charlotte, North Carolina. And they invited J. Cole from North Carolina to come and perform at halftime. And the last song in his set is a song called Love Yours. He says it's his favorite song. And in the song, there's this great line where he says, The good news, brother, is you came a long way. The bad news, brother, is you went the wrong way. We should pay attention where Bonhoeffer and J. Cole agree. It will do you no good to go a long way if you're going in the wrong direction. And Jesus says, it's hard to find it. The narrow path, the right way, to come in the right direction. This path is difficult. It's a challenge. So the question becomes, how do we know if we're on the right path? Well, he gives us another image. Jesus goes on. He says, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Now, there is a long tradition in the Bible of mixing metaphors. And that's exactly what Jesus does here. See, he's talking about the path, being on the narrow road. And he says, well, and, and you'll know if you're on the narrow road, if you're 
You're a good tree that produces good fruit. A good tree that produces good fruit is like a signpost to let you know that you're on the right path. Now, some of you are fans of 1990s Swedish pop music, maybe uh, the band Ace of Bass. And you know their, their, their song, The Sign? I saw the sign and it opened up my eyes. I saw the sign. You know, English was their second language, so they can be forgiven for some of their lyrics, but it goes on. It says, life is, life is demanding without understanding. That's true. <laughs> we need to pay attention to the sign. And I hope every time that song comes on the radio, you think about this sermon. <laughs> but we need, we need to see these, these signs on the path to let us know that we're going in the right direction. And so the Christian tradition often will talk about habits of action, ways of being in the world that lets you know if you're on the right path. We call them virtues. These are habits that we can cultivate in our life to let us know that we're on the right path, we're going in the right direction. And we've really summarized them with seven virtues. The first are a set of four. They're called the cardinal moral virtues. These virtues are accessible to Christians and non-Christians alike. Everyone can cultivate them in their lives. Virtues are what we might call a golden mean. They're an average between extremes. Okay? On one extreme is a life of excess, of too much of something. On the other extreme is a life of defect, a defective life. You don't have enough of it. But a virtuous life is in the middle. It's called the golden mean. And there are four cardinal moral virtues. The first one is prudence or practical wisdom. This is to make a good decision for good reasons, to think well. See, on, on one end, you have a sense of carelessness or thoughtlessness. You live your life willy-nilly. But on the other end of the spectrum is a life where you obsess over something. It immobilizes you. You fail to act. But the practically wise life, the prudent life, is one who carefully considers what he or she should do and then acts. These are the people you go to with a problem. Say, help me think through this. What should I do? Practical wisdom. The wise life is a sign that you're on the right path. The second is justice. Justice is to give someone their due, what they're owed. See, in the Christian life, it's not an abstract concept. It's relational. Mary talked about it last week to treat others as you want to be treated. So when you think about doing justice to someone, it means you're going to treat someone as you would want to be treated. That goes for your friends and your enemies alike, for your family and for people you've never met. What does it mean to treat someone with justice? It means to treat someone that they bear the image of God, that Jesus gave his life for that person just like he did for you. That's justice. And then we have temperance, the third sign. It's a life of moderation. It's not given to excess, but it's also not given to carelessness. Moderation, it's having control of your desires and your appetites. This is someone who you can invite to your party and you can count on them not to drink all your food and not to drink all your drinks. That's the moderate, the temperate person. 
And then the fourth cardinal moral virtue is courage, also known as fortitude. Winston Churchill says, courage is the virtue that ensures all others. Courage is, is retaining the ability to act even when you're scared. To keep your head when everyone around you is losing theirs. It's when there's five seconds left in the game and you say, coach, pass me the ball, I'll take the shot. That's the courageous person. And these are the signs that you're on the right path. You're heading down the narrow road. And these are virtues that are available to anyone. But in order to make it through the gate, to make it all the way on the right path, you can't just have these four virtues. You need to have what are called the theological virtues. There's three of them. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love are virtues that you need to cultivate to stay on the right path, the path that leads to life. So the virtue of faith perfects our knowledge by revealing God to us as revealed in Jesus Christ. Hope. Hope is perfected in us. It perfects our actions. Perfects our actions so that we live life knowing that death does not have the final word on any of our lives. And then love. Love is this great virtue. It perfects our life and shows us what it means, what it means to live for the sake of others. Oh, where do we see these theological virtues exemplified? embodied in Jesus himself. So it's no surprise that in John 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Insofar as you're following me, you're heading down the right road, the narrow path. It's a challenge. It's difficult to find, but it will lead you to life. That's what Jesus says. Now I've been talking about this for many years. And people always object or often object to the narrowness. Is, is there really such a narrow way to, to live a flourishing life? Why can't I follow any teacher? Why can't I just do whatever I want? Why does it gotta be narrow? They object to the narrowness of the Christian life of discipleship. But I like to say, well, think about how you live the rest of your life. You know, let's say if you're going, you're going to take an, air, an airplane ride. You're going to fly. And you go to the airport. You walk up to the plane. The pilot's standing there. He says, come on, we're, we're actually taking off early today. You say, oh, this is great news. Why? He says, well, we're taking kind of a broad approach to preparing the airplane to fly. So what does that look like? He says, well, we've kind of looked around at the airplane. It looks clean. We're ready to go. And you say, well, what about the check engine light on? Ah, oh, don't worry about it. That's so narrow. Think about it broadly. You're like, no, let's think narrowly about fixing the problem. Or think about marriage. Honey, would you marry me? She says, well, yes. He said, but I, before you say yes, I do want you to know that on Saturday nights will be your night, but... The other nights of the week, I'm going to be seeing other women around town. I'm taking the broad approach to marriage. Yeah, that is a non-starter. <laughs> but think about like how you invest your money. 
Do you just throw a dart at a dartboard? Ah, oh, whatever. No, you take the narrow approach. What's going to be increase my ROI? Oh, the narrow way. It's so much of life. It's easy to be broad, but it's hard to find the narrow way. And Jesus invites us to it. Jesus invites us, even though it's difficult, to follow him on the narrow way. I conclude with a story about one of my favorite philosophers, one of my favorite Christians ever. He was born in Copenhagen, Denmark. His name's Soren Kierkegaard. He lived at the end of the 19th century. And at that point in Denmark's history, if you were Danish, if you were born in Denmark, you were considered a Christian. Everyone was considered a Christian. Everyone. If you were born in Denmark, you, consider, you were considered a Christian. And Kierkegaard Soren comes along, and he says, wow, look at this. Every citizen thinks to, seems to think that the life of following Jesus is a broad path. He says, but what about the narrow way? And so when people would ask him, he would say, I'm not a Christian. People say, really? He says, I only hope to be a Christian. He says, the life of being a Christian is difficult. It's challenging to be perfected with faith, hope, and love, to cultivate these virtues. It's a challenging life. I don't want to take it for granted. Oh, and why could he hope to be a Christian? Because he was trusting on the one who called himself the way, Jesus himself who is gracious and loving, that when we stray from the path, when we find ourselves on the broad road, Jesus invites us back graciously. And so we are invited to join him on that narrow path. That path leads to life. Happy or, or blessed people are all alike. Unhappy folks are unhappy in their own unique way. And so Jesus invites us to join him on the path that leads to life. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you do invite us to join you on the path that leads to life. May we cultivate these virtues and following you. We thank you that we have a gracious and loving Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. If you'd like more info about Roswell Presbyterian Church, check out our website at roswellpres.org.